Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mary! What? Where's me top? Wherever you left them. Uh, did you see me flip flops? Ah, uh, here. Make your next holiday fuss free with an Avant Card personal loan. With personalized pricing that's made for you, at least there's one less thing to worry about. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Snorkel? Oh, have you seen me snorkel? Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avancard DAC trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts, Tyson Roush, and we got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We have a special guest joining us to talk about the Jets and their draft options. So without further ado, I will <laughs> introduce my co-host, Joe from Long Beach. How you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, Tyson, man? Can't wait to get the show going. Can't wait to talk draft and talk Jets, man. Let's go. Yeah, and for, for everybody listening, the call-in number is 929-477-2651. On Twitter, we're at Talk Jets Radio, so feel free to you know fire us tweets if you can't call in, and we'll do our best to answer them. And we'll bring on our guest now because we got a lot to talk about. And our guest name is Jeff Lloyd. He's a contributor for DraftBreakdown.com. He's also played wide receiver at Monmouth University. So Jeff, were you? Was that was a Monmouth University? That was a Miles Austin, was it? Who went there? Was a, um, trying to think who's a player, a popular player, went to Monmouth University. Well, yes, Miles Austin. I like to call myself the original. Uh, Monmouth University started in 1993. I was a member of the first team there. I transferred down from one year up at Northeastern. Uh, grew up in Colchester, so it was close to me. It was, you know, allowed me to stay in my inner circle, my inner surroundings. A little bit of a mama's boy, you know. I'd like my Sunday meals, and I got, you know, up in Boston. I wasn't getting it, so I came home. Part of the first team there. Um, then, you know, eventually, you know. When DNs start running the same 40 time that you do as a wide receiver, you kind of realize, you know what, I think I've run my course here as a football player. But, uh, you yeah, know, <laughs> big, 
big ties to Monmouth University. Uh, actually, it was uh, Monmouth. They, reti- uh, they retired Miles Austin, uh, number less. I think it was early June or early February was there for that. They're a huge part of the program, but now, you know, they're in the Big South Conference rising up each year. Uh, this year they have three prospects. We have uh, a couple guys in the pros. Tevin Brandon is a cornerback. Just started his first day yesterday at the Denver Broncos. Um, Rutgers will eventually will probably be on the schedule as like a week one opponent. So, you know, very proud. I mean, it's just cool being something that was so simple back then and seeing where it is now. Yeah, I mean, I, I live in the area as well. Monmouth University is a, is a beautiful campus, a very nice area. So that's awesome. And for our listeners, too, you know, Jeff's been following the draft for 25 years. So there's, there's a fountain of knowledge there that we're going to definitely tap into. And, and, Jeff, I'll start off with you. And the first thing, you know, my, my biggest thing is I think the Jets need a, an outside pass rusher. I think, you know, it's one thing Rex Ryan never had. And the Jets have probably lacked since John Abraham. This draft class features a lot of them. What is your, what is your take? Do you think Todd Bowles – has to go outside linebacker in the first round? I think it just – the way the cards have, you know, you know, have come out, um, the offensive line moves that they made, there's 10, 11 guys right now on the roster in-house who could inhabit you know, the opening day lineup of offensive linemen, whether they go eight, you know, seven, eight, nine deep, whatever. You know, the Sonny Carpenter was huge. Um, they were starting to get in the feel that maybe this could be, you know, towards the end of the Brickshaw's Ferguson. Maybe this is his last year, or they make him a candidate to restructure if he sells this year. So I'm not going O line at one. Um, you see the D back moves. Uh, obviously, you know, bringing in three guys. Then we still have the, uh, Dexter Matuvo coming off. Obviously, you know, the, the wasted rookie year. We have uh, Williams, the, uh, the inside kid uh, from North Dakota State, looks like a real good player. Dean Milner still in house. Regardless, you know how you view it or you view him as a player, this is a guy coming into his third season. Yes, he's going to be a little slow starting, obviously with the injury. So we're not going corner. D back wise, you know they made the move. You know they made moves there also at safety with Gilcrest. Pryor is going to get to play in a more comfortable role where he's you know five to eight yards off the line of scrimmage. So we're not going D back. And you look at this draft, the, the meat and the bones of this draft is edge rushers. There's so many of them. Um, for me, with a guy like Bowles, it's not so much about the pass rush because he's going to run so many different schemes at you. Yes, we want pass rush ability. The dream pick, and I, you know, I do like Vic Beasley a lot, but I think Dante Fowler is a better uh, fit. But I don't know if either one of them right now are even going to make it to six the way it's going. Um, obviously, with the new regime, we don't know if trading up is anything they're looking into. We don't know much about him because it seems like all the moves to this point have been calculated. But, you know, there's a lot of edge rushers. There's probably three to four that can go top ten. So at six, you're in a prime spot, I think. And, and you, you mentioned Dante Fowler, and that's a name that, I mean, on Twitter that everybody always talks about. My question for you is this. There's, there's been conversations where people say, you know what, we've got to trade up for Winston. We've got to trade for Mariota. If Dante Fowler is a guy you truly covet, would you consider trading up for him? It depends how much I got to trade up. I think Vic Beasley or Fowler is a pick at three. The obviously in in the most scenarios, uh, obviously you have Winston going one, Mariota going two. To we don't know who, but it seems most likely Marcus Mariota is getting drafted at two. So now you have Jacksonville, who really doesn't need a player. Leonard Williams is a great player, probably the safest pick in this draft, but Jacksonville doesn't need him. So Jacksonville is looking to go, you know. You know, speed rushers, so Beasley or Fowler both fit there. Oakland, if they have the stones to pass on Leonard Williams, God bless them for a wide receiver, but, it, I mean, it's a great pick for them. Now, Washington is the one team where you can't seem to figure out what's going on. Obviously, they're a bunch of players away. Could they trade out so somebody could trade out? 
you know, as the Jets, you only have six players in this draft. You've had such a solid free agency. Do you want to trade up, costing yourself a pick? Maybe not. So you stay at six, and, you know, maybe you won't get Beasley, who I think has the highest pass rusher value out of all these guys. Maybe you can get Fowler, who I think gives you the best of both worlds as an edge rusher. You're going to get some run defense. You're going to get some pass rush production. But I don't know if I'm going to trade up. If I only got six picks, you know, if anything, I would see a trade back maybe more with a new regime before I would see a trade up, especially when your quarterback situation is Geno Smith and a veteran. You know, you have two guys in-house. You know, maybe, you know, you're not doing it for quarterback. So I think a trade back makes more sense than a trade up. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely agree with you. That's why, you know, especially on Twitter, it was like, trade up and do this, trade up and do that. You're basically mortgaging your draft if you only have six picks. So it, it's definitely a concern. But I mean, staying on pass rushers, you know, if Fowler and Beasley are both gone, two names that started coming up a lot recently are Bud Dupree and Eli Harold. What are your thoughts on them? Bud Dupree is a guy who, guys who I have faith in, you know, and, and you know, because we talk all the time of these guys who value all this talent. And the guys who, you know, I really respect, they've convinced me more to appreciate Bud Dupree more. Because here's a guy who's rising, you know. Yes, he played in the SEC, but he played at Kentucky. The best players on a weaker team in the SEC. So he was always, you know, kind of a focus. You know, Zadarius Smith, another player from Kentucky, is a great, you know, pass rusher as well. The two of them should be, you know, solid pros. So I'm in the, you know, the Bud Dupree I'm very, very much into. Eli Harold is a kid uh, I talked with a little bit. I, I just love everything about him. Kid lost his mother at a young age. He's coming out as a junior. The area of Virginia where he comes from, there is so much talent, so many great players. He seems on the uh, you know the upward tick. You know, some people said maybe he should have stayed just because the class was so deep. But at Virginia, he was kind of playing more five technique. He really wasn't playing edge where he was free to roam and just you know create havoc. He was you know asked more to you know hold down the fort, and let no runners outside, be a little more physical than he is for a guy who's probably going to play at 245 to 255 as his career goes on. But he's a guy I like. I don't know if he's a top-ten player. Definitely a trade-back scenario I'm okay with. I know he's had some contact with the Jets. You know, the Jets, you know, they seem to have done their due diligence quarterback-wise and edge rusher-wise with this draft class. Um, both players I like. If I'm taking one at six. I'm probably going to take Bud Dupree just – you got almost six foot four. He's going to play at about two seventy. Now you got him, and you got Mo, and you got Sheldon. My God, that makes for a real nice front seven. Quentin Copeland as well. Wow, makes for a real nice front seven. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and I guess my last question for pass rushers, and once again, we're talking with Jeff Lloyd, is you know Randy Gregory made headlines right now for all the wrong reasons, and then Shane Ray seems to be public enemy number one for a lot of Jets fans, as nobody seems to want him. What are your thoughts on those two players? Um, Randy Gregory, and, you know, it, it's you know, like I'm 40 years old. I'm 41 years old. I have nephews who are 18, 19, 20. I know what goes on with that culture. Most kids that age don't drink anymore, and it is more kind of, you know, maybe they toke up a little bit. But, man, you he's known for his entire life that he was going into that piss test and he had to be clean. That's something got to worry about. And the other thing about Randy is, you know, the weight concerns. Good player, good player. Not, I don't see him top ten if you even took everything else away. I don't see him top ten. But um, as far as bringing him in, you're bringing him into a culture here in New York, he's going to be exposed to so much in the area he's in, and it's very easy to find a wrong crowd. Uh, I'm okay. He's, you know, he's a guy, 
I'll let somebody else take him. I mean, if it comes back to bite me in the ass, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that. Um, I'm sorry. And who was the second one again? Obviously, oh, Shane Wright. Um, the, po- yep. the poor pro day. Um, some guys I've reached out to. Th- there's still some issue whether or not he's maybe got a bad toe. He can get north and south. He can't give you, you know, he's not going to give you the, you know, the lateral quickness, you know, coverage wise. Yeah. He's going to get turned a corner on by some running backs. Shane Ray is not a bad football player at all. Um, probably goes, you know, you want to maybe 20, 25 range. Uh, the only other thing that questions me a little bit, and you know, the pro days I'll give a pass on because, you know, so much, you know, I'll go by combine. If it didn't work out, I'll try to go by the pro day. But, you know, and the only thing and it, with, I'm sorry, the other thing with him is the, the deep D-line players, we look at Michael Sam last year, produced at a great level at Missouri. Are these guys coached to the max at college? And are we getting any more ceiling out of them? Are these guys floor players? I think Ray is a little higher. You know, Alden Smith, obviously from Missouri, was, you know, maybe an anomaly for them. But, you know, Coney Ely is another guy who hasn't had too much success yet. But Shane Ray, 20 to 30 range, yeah, I'm in. Top 10, no. Yes, Jeff, I want to welcome you to the show, man. Thank you for coming on. You've given great takes and great information. Jet fans are banging the table now. Our quarterback position is in disarray. You know, Geno's working on what he's got to work on to get better. But this draft is pretty top-heavy here, uh, you know, with quarterbacks. you got Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Can you kind of break down those two quarterbacks and tell who your top dog is in this draft? Um, both guys are very um, both guys are very good quarterbacks, obviously. Jameis, you know, you have to worry what – you know, he comes with baggage, which is dangerous. Um, makes a lot of big throws, makes a lot of dangerous throws, which we saw on 14 when they came back to kind of bite him a little bit when he didn't have, you know, his best talent around him. In 13, Kelvin Benjamin was huge for him, always commanded two guys. Made Rashad Green's life that much easier. Made Nick O'Leary's life that much easier. Devontae, Fre- Devontae Freeman was great out of the backfield. Uh, Kenny Shaw is, I think he's maybe on the Raiders roster right now, but he was a third down in three or four guy that Jameis loved. So we lost his, you know, first command of any coverage with uh, Benjamin, lost his lucky charm basically with Freeman, and lost Kenny Shaw, like one of his kind of reliable guys. So it was a lot going in. He had some freshmen this year, obviously playing wide receiver. He had, you know, Carlos Williams was, you know, the running game wasn't what it was until obviously Dalvin Cook took over a little bit, but he was still obviously just a true freshman, wasn't experienced enough to contribute to, you know, too much in the passing game. So, you know, he's going to throw you in a game. He could throw you out of a game. But with this class that we're talking about, like I said, I think Leonard Williams is the safest pick if you wanted to go true number one overall. But, I mean, quarterbacks is normally where this is headed. So, you know, Jameis to Tampa, I mean, it seems like a perfect match. It keeps him there. Tampa is Tampa's a good city, a big city, but it's not a New York. It's not a Chicago. You know, obviously nothing in L.A., but it's not in L.A., it keeps him a little more low profile, which makes his life a little easier, obviously, because you know, you're going to have to deal with you know some backlash, obviously. Um, as for Mariota, I love what he has done to this point. But you know, one thing I'm not privy to as far as evaluating player is, is I can't. You know, I've done interviews with players. I'm not going to get a Marcus Mariota where I can spend 10, 12 minutes with him real quick and see, you know, make my own opinion on you know where I see him as, as you know, his passion for the game, understanding the game. I don't get that. I mean, Oregon, obviously, the ultra, you know, them and Baylor. Keep it simple. We're going to spread everything out. You know, we, we know what the play is going to be three seconds before we actually snap the ball. 
So, but so he's had that, and that's where you great. You, you see a lot of you know the comfort and the easiness and the smoothness. He's a great athlete, great leader, teammates love him. Uh, played uh, big time competition, played well for the most part. Uh, where are you going to fit him to? Tennessee, probably better. You know, he's you know coming from Oregon. You know, Hawaii kid, probably a better you know better situation for him. I, I do have you know you're asking him when you're going to put more on his plate. How's he going to handle it? Because it's going to come and it's going to come quick as to how much now with making the calls, making more than one read, which he's usually accustomed to 80 to 90 percent of the time, and, it, and it's a predetermined read before the ball snapped. Those are concerns I have. Do I think he'll end up being a good NFL quarterback? Yes, yes I do. But I mean, it's, you know, you, you take him at two. I, I don't have a way. Please don't play him right away because he needs to sit a little bit, needs to gel, needs to grow with it. Which Tennessee maybe makes it work because. If they just stand pat, you can roll out Mettenberger, who's an okay player. He can move him on once Mariota takes over. So, yeah, I like them both. But in, in this class, they're both probably top four players just because, you know, I mean, the, the class on a whole, when you're going top heavy, is weaker than from years in the past. Really like them. Um, you know, Jameis DeSampo seems to make the most, assist, most sense. There's teams that maybe seem like they like Mariota more than others. We'll see what happens. You know, I said, I think he goes two. I'm not sure to who. But, you know, Tennessee, if there's not much allure and there's nobody else they like, just go ahead and take him. It's, it won't be a bad pick as long as you bring him along at a gradual pace because he's going to have to do a lot of X's and O's and a lot of playbook work. Absolutely, and I agree with that analysis of Marcus Mariota. Do you think that it would be worth trading up to possibly take him? It depends on the team, uh, in my opinion. You know, Cleveland – I mean, look, yes, they played well last year, but now it looks like, you know, obviously Josh Gordon's gone forever. You know, they've made some moves. Are you going to trade away, what, maybe two first-round picks and, and more picks to get Mariota at two? Yeah, he's the guy that can probably go to a place like Cleveland and win, and, you know, his teammates will like him because obviously it looks like, you know, Johnny went to Cleveland and nothing changed, and just like everybody figured, <laughs> once he's around pro teammates, if he wants to go out and party on a Thursday night and a Friday night, he's going to get frowned upon. They're going to be pissed. They're going to be aggravated. And that's kind of what happened. You know, I mean, the other thing is, is where are they with him? You know, you know, Johnny, obviously, is he still part of the plans? I mean, do you really want to – the guy you drafted just one year ago just stump away, be gone? Because, I mean, Johnny's clean. Johnny's ready to go. If everything else around him is fine, he can succeed. But, you know, you know the city will love him, obviously. I mean, there's – I mean – People are drawn to him for maybe all the wrong reasons. But yeah, trading up for him, I, I don't know. I mean, what do I got to give up? I mean, that's the other thing with Philly. You know, as much as the match seems perfect, and, you know, then maybe there was Chip Kelly trying to say, oh, no, I wouldn't be so interested. Oh, come on. Marcus Mariota is the dream child of your love offense. So, But I just don't know if you, how do you get from 20 to 2, and, you know, unless you don't win a Super Bowl the next year, it doesn't really work out. So uh, trading up, no. I mean, I don't know if I see a lot of trading up in this draft. I mean, you hope you find some guys to trade down for edge rushers. You know, corners might make a run or one of the top three wide receivers. But I don't know if I'm trading up for a quarterback in this class now. Okay. Um, another question I'd like to ask. You have, after Marcus Mariota and James, you have guys like Brett Hundley, Bryce Petty, Garrett Grayson. Bryce Petty showed a lot during his pro day. Are those guys kind of being shut out the door? Do you believe that those guys have the talent to be applicable quarterbacks in the NFL? Could they be guys that could lead a franchise? 
The thing with Fetty is he's a guy. Okay. The thing with Bryce Fetty is he's a guy that I, I always use the phrase, I can't quit him. Because he can throw a great deep ball. He throws a lot of deep balls. I mean, that's Baylor. It's what they do. But he hits on a lot of them. And I wasn't sure about him, about the system quarterback, but they played TCU this year. And obviously that's the only game TCU lost. And they showed him on the sidelines. He was down three scores. And it was like, I think, maybe five minutes or so to go. I mean, in the initial looks where he was dazed, like, oh, man, this is all over. You know, Baylor at the time, I believe he was undefeated as well. It was his worst nightmare. This kid went out there, and he won the game. Five minutes to go, down three touchdowns. I mean, it takes stones. I don't care what offense you play or whether it's a gimmick offense. He went out there and did that. You know, obviously, he's working with Jameis, been working with Whitfield, obviously. You know, the, the drive to be better. He's a guy I, I just I, I won't turn away from. Um, I do like him as a probably a second-round selection. If you had given me my choice in the second round, and obviously Mario is off the board and Jameis is off the board, I'll go ahead. I, I'll take I'll take Bryce Petty. Um, yeah, a little bit older, but that's not never, maybe not a bad case. Yes, he's twenty. He'll be twenty-four come camp time. He's not twenty-eight like Brandon Whedon. You're going to get the first five years of his rookie contract. I'll go ahead and take that on. Hunley, good athlete, played well. One of the things that worries about me with him is for a good athlete, why do he take so many sacks? A good athlete shouldn't take sacks, especially at the collegiate level. He should just be running around doing his thing, you know, eating it up. So his vision, it seems like peripheral-wise, you know, off the far edges, it seems like he has a little problem picking up on it. So unless you have an elite, elite, obviously, pass-blocking system, you've got to worry about him. Grayson's another one who interests me more like Petty does. Um, obviously, Colorado State really hasn't played with the manpower, the talent that some of these other young men have. Uh, like, like the moxie of them, you know there's some athlete to them, was originally recruited out there to Colorado State to play, you know, as a safety. So you know what you're getting, obviously, you know, with him as an athlete. Um, a guy, you know, maybe a year or two, you're going to get a, a spot starter, you know, maybe a you know, 10-year career backup. He's a guy I like. You know, Hundley's the one that worries me out of those three probably the most just because I don't like to see an athletic quarterback with poor vision and just, you know, and, and the tape you see, you don't see just true pass or him just going back there, tearing it up, shredding it up with confidence. You know, most of it is just, you know, win by system. So of the three, you know, obviously, you know, Hundley the lowest, obviously Petty the highest. And then, you know, I'd probably put Grayson at, you know, I'll put Grayson as the fourth quarterback just because I think, uh, you know, Hundley probably has a higher ceiling, but I think Grayson probably has a, uh, a higher floor. Yes, absolutely. I, I definitely agree that Bryce Petty is an intriguing guy. I think he's a guy that definitely can do some things in the league. Kind of flipping the switch, I'm wondering how you feel about Geno Smith. He's the guy that we already have here. So just in case we don't take a quarterback in this year's draft, how do you feel about him possibly leading the New York Jets? Well, I mean, as much as it was a you know a fresh break from Mark Sanchez to get away from everything that was the New York Jets, Geno Smith has essentially gotten a fresh break from everything that was the New York Jets. So, I mean, we basically got to look at him now as, you know, we know nothing about him. Here's a guy, you know, walking in completely new. You know, uh, I've been seeing him with Chan Gailey here. You know, a little bit conservative, older guy. His offenses work. I mean, a guy like Tyler Thigpen threw for like 36, 3,700 yards playing for Chan Gailey. He's the, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick still in this league today, you know, obviously on the roster because of a guy like Chan Gailey. You have, you know, you appreciate that. You know, with, you know, with, 
Eric Decker signing was a great signing, but you know, as most of us, when the signing was made, is if you're bringing him in here to be a true number one wide receiver, man, you might be doing yourself a little bit of a disservice. Uh, you know, obviously there's you know the second to Demarius Thomas, but now you go in and bring in Brandon Marshall, and now we have Jason Morrow who, you know, showed some flashes last year. Obviously the Denver game was his breakout game. We have him. Obviously, you know, we still have Jeremy Curley, who I'm a fan of. We have, obviously, Bilal Powell. We have Ridley, you know, and Ivory. Neither one of them really much, you know, bring much to the passing game. You know, somebody else, you know, could come in still from here. They had a little more, you know, obviously from a running back position as a receiver. That's a lot better. You know, Carpenter's a good signing on the O-line. You know, Geno definitely needs a clean pocket, gets a little panicky, gets caught up between whether he should run or whether he should try to, you know, extend, you know, the pocket and still complete a ball. So uh, I'm okay with Geno. Um, if he it's 50-50 right now, whether Geno or Fitzpatrick's the opening day starter, because Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to do enough comfortable with the system, the veteran presence, that if Geno has any hiccups, you know, Ryan would start. But I don't, you know, I don't see a first-round need here, and especially the fact that the class that is being given here with obviously only, two, you know, the two, you know, top-heavy quarterbacks. But I wouldn't be above, you know, a Bryce study in round two if we were able to get the, you know, pass rusher of our choice. You know, or and there's some guys later on, but you know, I don't know if I'm not ready to just say, you know what, Geno's a week one starter. I'm okay with that. If, if that's what they say it is, I'm cool with that for now. He's got the better line. He's got better, you know, toys to play with. I'm okay with that. Right now, we're talking with Jeff Lloyd, who's a contributor for DraftBreakdown.com, and he's sharing great information. He's already covered the outside linebackers. He's covered covered quarterbacks for us, and Jeff, we're going to bring on our first caller, and this kid right now, I'm going to warn you, is going to bring some heat, because he, we, he called in last week and, and drove our good friend Ron Pickett crazy, so our first call of the evening is Kyle, he wants to talk about the, the, a general draft question, so Kyle, it's, it's Joe and Tyson, and Jeff Lloyd, how you doing, man? Hey, thanks for having me on. No problem, man, what's on your mind? Uh, I heard him talking about Garrett Grayson earlier. Uh, I just, um, this is my opinion on Garrett Grayson. He was saying he wasn't really athletic, which is very... Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. True, but a great quarterback, you look at the great quarterbacks in today's league, uh, Peyton Manning. Tom Brady, guys who have won multiple Super Bowls. Can you really classify them as athletic? You don't need a quarterback to constantly scramble for you to make plays. I think Garrett Grayson has a very good arm and has a very good uh, deep touch, you know, to his throw. And he always has it where the wide receiver needs to be. Um, Kyle, first off, I'm sorry if I it kind of like sounded confusing. No, I I do think Garrett Grayson's a great athlete. Like I mentioned, he was. He headed to Colorado State as a recruit as a safety. So he's a very good athlete. Throws a good ball. Um, obviously, you know, you know, Colorado State over the years now is starting to get some more pros. Obviously, coming out of there, the system's getting better. You know, 
when your head coach leaves from there to go to the University of Miami, you know what kind of program you're coming from. I like Garrett Grayson. I'm like I said, fourth quarterback for me in this draft. Um, tough kid, uh, you know, senior ball participant. I, there's a lot. There's a lot to like with him. Well, this is kind of an overstatement, but I think if this kid gets into the right system, we're looking at maybe the next Manning if he really reaches his full oh. potential. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Well, I tell you. What, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If that turns out. I will sing your praises. I will sing your praises, and I will put you on the pedestal. It's it's just a lofty thing to put on a, a you know a nice kid. Uh, uh, me personally, I wouldn't put that on Jameis Winston. I wouldn't put that on Marcus Mariota. I wouldn't put it on Blake Bortles. I wouldn't put it on Teddy Bridgewater. That's just you know it's a, it's a little that's a little hefty. And you know, I like honestly I think say, he's better than all of them. Well, oh. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what, there's nothing wrong with being bold. There's nothing wrong with being bold. Kyle, what else is on your mind, man? You want to cover, any other players you want to cover? Um, he mentions Eli Harold as well. I I really like Eli Harold. A lot of people have him going maybe late first round to early second round. I think he's a steal coming out of Virginia. I think he's one of the best products coming out of the ACC this year, besides Jameis Winston, and he's just a playmaker. And maybe if the Jets go quarterback in the first round, maybe that's uh, an option, that outside linebacker to fill the void, maybe add some depth and possibly start. Um, Eli, like I mentioned earlier, Eli's a guy I love. Um, I love everything about him. He's actually got a nephew in this draft named Sage Harold out of, I believe it's James Madison. Um, So I talked with Eli. I talked with um, actually his older brother, who's, you know, his nephew's father, obviously, um, he lost his mother, you know, at a young age. You know, she passed away from cancer. I love everything about Eli Harold. I think he's, he, you have no worries about the pro you're getting with him. He'll do his work every day. I just think with the amount of visits he's done and the amount of team interaction he's done, I don't know how he's going to fit the Jets if the Jets stay at six because I don't think he'll be there at 37 because he's that good of a player. So yeah, I do like him probably, I'd say, anywhere in the 19 to 25 range. He, he, he'll be, I think he'll be a first-round pick. He falls to the second round. Yes, he's an absolute steal. You're just getting a gift from God with getting him there. Great player. Great player. You know, sky's the limit, in my opinion. All right, last one. You mentioned Shane Ray earlier as well. I would not take Shane Ray with the number six pick in a million years because I think he's a very dirty player. I don't know if you were watching the game, but during the SEC championship game this year, he made uh, a couple plays that Natomican Sue would make famous. He uh, was purposely stepping on the quarterback's uh, uh, regions, you could say, Um, and the ref wouldn't even – he didn't throw the flag unless he didn't see it, but clearly I think Shane Ray will get a lot of – suspensions in his career, and I would never take him just because of that. Uh, it's Sometimes the NFL is not pretty. Sometimes football is not pretty. Um, and there's, you know, I, you bring up a good point because you bring up a, almost a, a maturity, uh, a questioning of authority, you know, mentality, which these teams do. I mean, you, you, want, you want to do your due diligence. You're putting lots of millions of dollars into these players. You know, there's plenty of teams that, you know, for whatever reason, this guy's off your board. And a lot of these guys, it comes down to their Twitters. 
you, I, you can go thumb, thumb through some of these kids' Twitters, and you can realize, yeah. you know, whoa, dude, what are you doing? You, you can't post this. So, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, that I do know, you can see how clean their Twitter is, which means, you know, they've learned and been spoken. Um, you know, I'm close with a bunch of these guys. There's some guys where they're advised, please, whatever you do, just don't go on social media. But then you have a program or some guys who go on and, you know, do silly stuff. So there's so many reasons you can get knocked down a board. But Shane Ray will get drafted probably, like I said, in the same range that Eli Harold will. He can get in the backfield. He can disrupt. He's, you know, uh, you know, some dirty play is going to come along with it. You know, uh, he's going to be the one end up paying the fines. He's going to end up uh, getting suspended if it comes down to that. I hope he's losing his own money. Things are a lot different when you realize that maybe if you get fined or you get suspended, you know, it's a, you know, six hundred dollar game check. Yeah, that changes guys' opinions real quick. Kyle, Did thanks again for calling in, man. Kyle, sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. We got a bunch of calls on the line, man, but we want to thank you for calling in, and we always appreciate your draft insight, man. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Have a good night, man. Great talking to you. You know, it's funny, Jeff. When he first called in, we were like, you hear his voice, you're like, all right, you know, it's like, it's a caller. We're going we're gonna to treat him seriously. And he started dropping draft knowledge on us. And me and Joe were just like, where is this kid coming from? He's like the next Mel Kiper or something. <laughs> I got, I have, two, I have two daughters, but if that kid needs a home, man, I will take him today. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because after after he called in, we had two more thirteen year olds call in, and they were dropping like free agency information, contract information. We're like, what did we get ourselves into here? So it was, it was funny. Um, we're gonna we'll bring out our next caller. This is Rick from New Jersey. He wants to talk about the top six players in the draft. Rick, this is Joe and Tyson and Jeff Lloyd. How you doing, man? Uh, how you doing? Uh, What's up, man? What's on your mind? With, yeah, I want to start off with I don't believe the narrative that's being pushed right now that um, somebody's actually going to go up for um, two with the Titans. It's, it's just going to cost too much. And I think a lot, especially you see all the teams that are choosing that are in, I guess, who will to trade up. They've already kind of been burned one way or another, and I don't think they're going to risk, um, you know, paying the price just to um, go to two. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to call Wiz Bluff and watch him pass two. But my real question is, is um, I think it's a real possibility is four. Out of the top six players that you have on your boards, which one do you think is worth moving up to four for? Well, in that scenario, who do we have going one, two, three? Do we have the two quarterbacks? And who do you have as the third player going in the top three? Well, I'm just talking about Jets just in general. It doesn't actually have to okay, be. Okay, okay. All right, all right. I'm totally with you then. If I'm the Jets, I want to stand packet. I'm going to stand pat at six. Because even if we go wide receiver, I don't necessarily see a reason to go O-line. I don't see an O-lineman going before maybe eight or nine. So, like I mentioned earlier, a trade back is a scenario I think maybe would happen before a trade up. Um, With the new regime, do they really like Marcus Mariota? Because, I mean, we have to figure at this point that Jameis is going one to Tampa. Does Mariota slip if Tennessee doesn't take him? Obviously, the Jets have done their homework. They've met with Mariota every possible way. It could be interesting. I just don't know what the other free agency moves and everything that's gone on to this point that they're looking to go big bang. You know, Marcus has to be, in their eyes, one of the best quarterback prospects in the last seven, eight years if you're going to trade up at this point. 
it's a new regime. You know you have time. You've done good work to this point. Now you just want to hopefully add a couple more players. I'm going to stand at six. Um, you know, you can maybe get an Amari Cooper at six. You can maybe get a Bud Dupree. You can maybe get a Dante Fowler. You can maybe get a Dick Beasley. These are guys who could be, should be available. One of these guys at six. So why not just stand there, you know, take them? Because trade enough, you only have six picks this draft. This draft isn't elite at the top, but it's very good with its depth. You can find good players. Those two seventh-round picks, if they play the cards right, they got back-to-back seventh-round picks, you can find some players there who can contribute and make a final 53. I don't think it's overly heavy at the top, but, you know, the depth of it is very, very good. So I would just say at six, if they ha- if they really like Mariota and they think they can jump to four if he's available and they want him, like I said, I, you know, I like him. I like the player he is. I like the player he could be as long as he's not starting day one. You know, I always support the team as far as that with, you know, Jet, my Jet fandom always comes first. So if that was the move they wanted to make, of course I'll be on board. Uh, it wouldn't be the way I'd go. I'd stay at six or I'd trade back. You have anything else, Rick? Hello? Um, now, actually, I have a kind of a similar sentiment. Like, I don't know personally if I would actually trade up either, but, like, I would understand if they went quarterback, move up to four for quarterback, because, like, it's kind of understandable, especially four. You're not losing too, too much with it. Um, but what about, um, the, um, Williams? I, would you think Williams worth going up to four to pick? Just out of curiosity. For the Jets? Leonard Williams? For the Jets, yeah, Leonard Williams. I just don't know how he fits right now. Um, Ideally, you want him interior in a 4-3, or you want him at a 5-pack, which we have Mo Wilkerson, we have Sheldon Richardson. Um, I don't know if you were listening earlier. Leonard Williams, I think, is probably the safest draft choice in this class, but sometimes Mm -hmm. the safest doesn't always equate to, you know, being the highest. Um, if he were available at four, um, you know, I have a bunch of Oakland Raider buddies that I follow. That go take him, go take him. I mean, you brought in Michael Crabtree. Now you've got a little bit of a receiving core. Um, you have Khalil Mack, Justin Ellis from last year. They made some good moves. It, you know, I don't see how Oakland would pass on him. I think he's a perfect fit there. I just don't see the value to him at the Jets is what we're you know they're trying to accomplish right now. I mean, the the opening seems specific. Uh, you know, a, a future tackle down the line a quarterback, uh, perhaps a wide receiver, or an edge rusher. I don't know if the interior needs much more. Oh, and what about this? How about this scenario? What happened if Mo's been asking for two? Because, you know, they've been having a discussion, and Mo's been asking too much. And if they did get Williams, wouldn't that put them in a – give them more leverage over, like, the Mo discussion contract? This action. Um, no. I'm, I don't – the problem with Mo is this is always going to happen. It kind of it's kind of bad for you know uh, you know five techniques and DNs of Mo's caliber. They don't mm-hmm. seem to get what they deserve because with guys like Mo, you know people always want to push the sack numbers as far as you know the leverage and you know how he's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo a local Mo a local product, good player. I think we'll find a happy median. He seems ecstatic here. I mean, you talk about a guy who tweets out his daily trip to Wawa for his morning coffee. <laughs> most happy here. This is where he's grown up. I think it's just you know I, you know a lot of that comes down to posturing and I have you know I have 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't want to move Mo. Not at all. Not in any sense whatsoever. I think, you know, he was the one... After we, you know, the initial success with Rex Ryan, he was the one who seems to be the new regime of it, and you know, probably, you know, obviously Mangold, and, you know, here, but I mean, defensive leader. I mean, it's Mo Wilkerson. That's our defensive leader. Um, you know, find a way to make a happy meeting between the two of you, and let's just get it done. Rick, we want to thank you for calling, in, man. We, we 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 definitely appreciate your call, man. Oh yeah, thanks. All right, take care, guys. Have a good night, Rick. Hey Jeff, the question I have for you: we, We've talked a lot about Mariota tonight. You mentioned you've mentioned repeatedly how you want to see him sit, and, and I find it interesting because you know a lot of Jeff fans are like we need to get Mariota, trade for him, trade for him, get him. I, I, I find it hard to believe that we're willing to trade up for him and then have him sit. I mean, do you think the the current environment with the Jets, with the ghost of Sanchez, the ghost of Geno, all these things, is going to put Mariota kind of in a tough spot if he did come here? That. That's one of the big things with it. And look, I mean, even if he fell to six and that's the way they wanted to go, I'm okay with it. You can find, you know, uh, you can get a pass rusher, an edge rusher at 37, and they just obviously have a well enough up front. You still have Copels on this roster that a pick at 37 could ease his way into this equation. I just he's going to come in first off he's got to learn the terminology more he you know played with a lot of you know cue card system in Oregon everything's so quick on the line you have to you know how and like I said I don't get to speak to him I don't get to get 10 minutes with him where I say holy crap that's one of the most intelligent kids I ever spoke with Bayon Buchanan got drafted last year in the first round I was able to interview him on air I did 10 minutes with him everything this kid has been was his entire life and was afterwards and since he's now a pro, I still talk with him, you know, maybe once or twice a week. I still get that. Everything is it's football. But I don't know this about a kid like that with Mariota. But if so, but I do trust the, the front office. If they think he's the guy and you bring him in and we're going to, you know, work his way through it, I do think when you, when you obviously brought in Fitzpatrick, obviously you have Geno here, it really kind of muddies the waters because, you know, when you have three quarterbacks and you have one, Maybe you don't because you have so much going on that nobody's getting the attention they truly deserve. Did they do it? Obviously, I'm behind it. It's, you know, like I said earlier, it's just not the move I'd make. Yeah, I I have some legitimate concerns. Just not more of just the, the chaos that it would create, the impatience. It's going to put pressure on the front office, can put pressure on Bowles to play him, say if Geno struggles, if Fitzpatrick's still banged up. I, I think, like, I, I understand the need for a franchise quarterback, but I don't want to push the issue with it. The second question I have for you is, is about Chan Gailey. And, and Chan Gailey's resume is kind of where 
he maximizes the potential out of his quarterback. I mean, Tyler Thigpen, Cordell Stewart. He seems, you know, everybody seems to get caught up is at his resume as a head coach and kind of doesn't look at his resume as an offensive coordinator. What's your thoughts on, on Chan Gailey? Um, the first initial reaction was, ooh, that seems, you know, kind of different. And then you go back and you see that Bowles has some history with him, feels comfortable with him. You know, I'm very high on Todd Bowles, so any move he makes, I'm good with. You know, just the type of guy he is, the way he represents himself, it's, you know, he comes in, there will be, you know, everyone's going to be on board, everyone's going to be on page, everybody's going to go to work. That's it. He's clear, he's simple, he's concise. So if he's okay with it, I'm okay with it. Um, and yes, he does. I mean, you look at the things he's did in Buffalo, you know, Miami, everybody puts up numbers when he's around. Um, so I'm okay with it. Obviously, we have Geno. If he's brought out the best in a Tyler Thigpen, a Cordell Stewart, you know, here's Geno. Why can't he bring out more in Geno? You know, especially with a Brandon Marshall now in the fold and things of that nature. You know, why I wouldn't really go Mariota as well, getting back to the earlier question, the question for hire. You know, you got receivers where you got to make money throws, the timing, and you got to trust these guys. So, you know, Mariota's never made those throws. Gino played with NFL talent. He's got NFL talent around him now. We got to think that Shane Gailey's going to bring something to this. And this offense is not going to be as stagnant as it was. Yes, Jeff. With that being said, Shane Gailey definitely he's going to bring some different things in. He's going to tune this offense up. But one of the things that's still kind of in question is our offensive line. I'm wondering, when you look at the draft, what do you think about possibly the Jets bringing in a guy like an A.J. Can in the second round or an Ali Marpet from Hobart? How do, you, how do you feel about those guys, and who do you feel like are kind of your top linemen that you would be able to get in that second round, possibly even third round, guys that come in and possibly be starters and be value picks? I think if you're going to add an offensive lineman in the New York Jets, uh, you know, it seems like everybody wants to be talking about, you know, guard, which that's the part I don't truly get. Because obviously we have Carpenter here. Um, we had Winters who played. Uh, Abusha who played. Willie Colon is back. Um, if we're bringing in an offensive lineman, and even in the second round, uh, I won't, you know, disdain on that. But I got to think you're talking more of an offensive tackle prospect. I don't know why it would necessarily be a guard. It seems, you know, we have kind of, not to say we have a log jam because there's some guys where it's now or never. But you have Carpenter. You have two guys who played starter roles. Actually, you have three guys on the roster who played starter roles last year. So I don't know necessarily if guards the way we're going, especially when we signed Carpenter. You know, tackles now is interesting. You know, Andre Speech, a guy who fluctuates, whether he's going high or low. His ceiling's already high, probably going to go first round. Um, you know, DJ Humphreys is another one out of Florida. Um, you know, the guy's really high on him. The guy only played 275 last year. It seems like the analysts are high on him, but he played only at 275. So developmental offensive tackle prospects, you know, Brick next year goes in the, in the 16, goes into real big numbers. Do I see maybe he's the guy getting kind of edged out, maybe, you know, to save some money. Obviously, Moe's going to have to get paid. Some guys are going to have to get paid. You know, I don't think Nick Mangold's ever going anywhere. Obviously, he's kind of like the linchpin on offense. So, you know, those two guys would be guys I'd be interested in. But definitely if we're going 37 or even later on, we're looking at tackles. Yeah, tackles are the way to go. I don't I don't know necessarily to see a need that we're drafting a guard this year. Okay. What are your thoughts about Jake Fisher uh, when you talk about that tackle spot out of Oregon? Do you think you think he would possibly be a guy that could fit in and immediately become a starter? I think Jake Fisher is a – he's got a very, very high ceiling. Um, was a guy in the beginning, you know, I kind of get like a little 
Oregon and, you know, Baylor, like, offensive line guy, you know, like, kind of a little biased. You know, the splits are a little bigger. It's made it a little easier for them to succeed. But uh, you watch the Ohio State game, oh, my God, he played extremely well. You know, very tough player. Uh, probably, you know, if you're talking first, you're probably definitely a first-round pick. Uh, most of the guys, you know, I talk with who I respect who are a little bit better off with. You know, I'm more of a skill guy. They're a little better with in the trenches. They, you know, some guys have them as high as the number one tackle in the draft. And, you know, going, you know, top 15. Um, seems like the ceiling is extremely high for Jake Fisher. Great player. Should have, you know, very athletic. Should have a great pro career. Um, everybody now wants that athletic left tackle. Put him out there so you know, no matter, regardless whether the guy's, you know, 305 or the guy's 235, he can hold his own against them. Right now we're talking with Jeff Lloyd, who's giving us a tremendous amount of knowledge on the draft and the options for the Jets. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, and, and make sure you give him a follow because I mean he's, he's a great. He always answers your questions on Twitter, and he's he's, he's very we're very thankful for having him tonight. Um, we're gonna bring in our next car. We got a couple of young guys on the line. That Jeff, prepare yourself, nice. man, because these kids are gonna bring some knowledge. So we'll go to our first one here. And this is, our first caller is Dominic, who wants to talk about I guess pass rushers. So Dominic, this is Joe and Tyson and Jeff Lloyd. How you doing, man? Hi guys. I was just um, gonna give my opinion on Shane Ray and Bud Dupree. I think when I was watching Shane Ray in South Carolina, he struggles against the run, but I think that's been due to some part that he is always he's more focused on pass rushing, meaning he, like, over-pursues uh, and tries to get to the quarterback, and then he's susceptible to, like, uh, quarterback draws and halfback draws and things like that. But I think he can, with, with coaching, I think he can improve that. Uh, he struggles against bigger off in the tackles, and in college, <clears throat> they're not as big as the NFL. So, he has, definitely has to get stronger. And um, Bud Dupree, um, I don't know if Chetans would be so happy if they picked him, but I think they might because he seems like a fit in Todd Bowles' scheme. He's he's big. He can cover. They didn't – They don't at Kentucky, they didn't use him uh, in a pass rushing, a pass rushing the whole time. They played him back in coverage. And at time they pass him like half the time. So I think he might be the pick because of scheme fit, but he rushes the quarterback like uh like he has like his hands tied behind his back. I've seen some people say that, but I think it's true because he doesn't use them. He just tries to uh like he he tries to like get into the off in the tackle and sometimes the same thing with Shane Ray and him, he can get followed up by bigger off in the tackles. And you know, I think he—he's the biggest, probably the biggest pass rusher in this uh, class that can go in the first round. And he—he he has all the talent. He's more of a uh, project. Uh, he's really like raw in terms of hand usage. But I think he's worthy of a top ten pick. Shane Ray, I don't see that. I don't see how he is. He had a, not a great pro day, and on film. He's a great pass rusher, but it seems like he's not a three-down player. And he was rushing mostly with his hand in the in the dirt, meaning I don't know if he can play three-four outside linebacker. Maybe he's better at a, at a four-three end. So those are my thoughts on those two guys. <laughs> How old are you? Thirteen. <laughs> Good God. Well. <laughs> Well, welcome to our world, Jeff. They, Jeff, they get us every week. We have three of them that drive us crazy with this great knowledge. <laughs> oh my God, 
my lord. I tell you what, when you get a little older, give us a call over at Draft Breakdown. We'll put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm not. Try- I'm not trying to make it funny at all. I mean, that's. I mean, for. Uh, and that's for a 13 year old. That is damn impressive, man. I, you know, good for you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Any what thoughts, Jeff? Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to combat him at all? <laughs> I, 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 I combat people who come with no defense. He, he came with what he, he came with his defense hard. I mean, you're always going to see different. I mean, you're always going to see different on guys and on prospects. But no, man, I thought he held himself pretty well. You know, if you got points and from what you saw, if you've done the work, I'm not going to, you know, question how you got to your opinion. No, not at all. Thank you. Dominic, be proud of yourself. You just left Jeff Lloyd's completely speechless. (laughs) (laughs) My daughters are 8 and 7, and they make me speechless. But, man, that was, I mean, that was good. I mean, I can only imagine how he was in school. (laughs) Dominic, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. I'll tell you, Jeff, when when these guys first started calling in, we're like, all right, this is cool. The first one was good. I mean, they just unleash on us with these guys. Like, they had Joe and I both just scrambling. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm I'm hoping they're using draft breakdown for what they're getting. But, man, these kids are, I mean, that's, wow. I mean, that's, you know, I I, I guess, you know, if if you want to go technology-wise, I was probably similar at 13 years old. Obviously, I didn't have the internet to do all this stuff like these guys do now. But, yeah, I mean, 13 years old. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Oh, yeah, we got some, uh, got some future uh, members of Draft Twitter, apparently. <laughs> We're going to go to our next caller. This is Kyle from Edison, who wants to talk about Jameis Winston and the option of trading up. So, Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson and Jeff Lloyd. How you doing, man? Joe, Tyson, Jeff, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. What's on your mind? So, Jeff, uh, a couple weeks ago I called in, and I asked Joe and and Tyson what they thought about if Jameis Winston falls to six, do you take him, do you not? It caused quite a controversy. Joe says, no way. He was very, very adamant about that. Tyson says, yeah, you definitely got to take him. So, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on him. I don't know, I mean, if he's going to – yeah, I don't think he's going to fall anyway. I think he's definitely going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But there's more reports out there saying now that, hey, listen, Von Dorsky goes out and says they're going to draft Marcus Mariota, you know. And there's, I think, other people who hold that school thought as well, that Mariota's their guy. So in the event that Winston slips possibly to four, you'd already spoken about there's no way, even if it's six number four, there's no way that the Jets should trade up or their draft in order to get him. 
I don't think moving up from six to four would cost you that much, maybe an extra second-round pick, which is obviously no joke. But if Winston is that guy who falls to four, do you make the trade-up to get him? Interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Well, first things first, did you say you're from Edison, New Jersey? Yes, that's correct. Okay, I know it well. My sister and brother-in-law and my uh, nephews live up in Edison, so I spent plenty of time in Edison in my life. Um, as far as Small world. And, you know, Kevin, the producer of the show, is awful from Edison. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I spent, spent plenty plenty of nights up in Edison, but uh, maybe some of you guys feel for that conversation. But uh, as far as being a Swinton, for me, that changes the whole landscape. I am a Florida State guy through and through. I've been since 1986, the Ball, a diehard Florida State fan. Deion Sanders, the Charlie Wars, the Chris Winkies, the Peter Wars. That changes everything. And as much as you know, Jameis, obviously, with the baggage he brings. You bring Jameis to New York. Jameis is – the one thing Jameis does understand is dollar signs. He understands money. He comes to New York, he understands all the extra money he can make beyond just being a football player. Trust me, his camp knows as well. If that were to happen, which I, 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 you know, I would say is – well, let's put it this way. For him not to go to Tampa, I'd say right now is a 97, 98, 99, the one shot for him to not go there unless something terrible comes up or he somehow screws it up here in the next 16 days, he'll be a Buccaneer. That changes the entire landscape for me. You've got a leader. You've got a big, strong quarterback. And as much as you know, people want to you know, bag on him off the field, on the field he knows everything. He comes off the field. He's vehement talking with his coaches. You know, look, you called this play. This play didn't work. You see so much interaction. Him and Rashad Green, they knew everything that was on the line, and each one would look at back at the other when you know, somebody was off on a pattern or where the ball placement was. You know, Jameis is a pro quarterback. There's no doubts about that. He's not the greatest athlete, no. And anybody who ever thought he was, come on, stop. He is not a great athlete. He played two sports. He is an athlete. That does not make him a great athlete. He's a great quarterback. He can make all the throws. Sometimes with pass rush, sometimes with underneath coverage, is he going to get a little fooled? Yes. But if that was a possibility, yeah, uh, if there was any chance, and even would I trade the four, I probably would just because, you know, I have the emotional attachment to it, and it would be like the perfect of two worlds for me, but I don't see it happening, no. I think he, you know, uh, would I do it? Yes. Do I think he goes to Tampa still? I don't see any reason why he's not going to be a Buccaneer. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's not going to happen, but I would definitely do it if it could happen. Well, and also part of it, though, is Lovey Smith. He's already – Lovey Smith got there, brought in a whole bunch of free agents into Tampa, and guess what? Here they are drafting one after one year. Lovey Smith's an older coach. I mean, if this doesn't work out with the number one pick they take, he may not be the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2016. I mean, the not-for-long business obviously still exists, and they're drafting top five again next year in the NFC South, which was a very weak conference this year. I mean, he could be, you know, Jameis is saving, you know, Jameis is, if he's to draft Jameis, he's got his life attached to him, and that's the way it's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle, thanks again, man, for calling in. We always appreciate your insight, dude. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. Great talking with you, Kyle. Jeff, the question I have for you is: We've talked about a lot of different positions, but the one we really haven't touched on too much is the running back position. And you know, and there's a lot of names like while we we do the show, a lot of names get brought up from 
you know, Duke Johnson to David Johnson to, you know, Jay Ajayi from Boise State. What is your thought of running back position, and where do you see the Jets, if they draft one, where do you think they're going to draft one at? Uh, the question is, you know, obviously, first off, the running back class. This is, it's an insanely good year running back-wise. Um, very rare when, you know, normally with, you know, a position like running back, you go with the top five and say, you know, these are the top, top five running backs in this class. This year, it's almost like a top 12, 13 with, you know, all the guys we'll discuss with and rankings. Now we have them. That's how deep the running back class is. Everyone brings their own thing to the table. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you have a Todd Gurley who obviously with the knee injury. Todd Gurley probably would have been a top 12, top 10 pick, top 15 at worst if it weren't for the knee injury. When the whole incident went down, he got suspended. You know, I was on my show, and I, I begged, Todd, just go. Just leave it all behind. Worry about the combine. Worry about going to the NFL. But, you know, what you saw, though, that you like is the kid did go back after, you know, I think it was three weeks or so. Went back. Went to join his team. And then, you know, the absolute worst thing in the world happened. You know, blows out an ACL. Should have been, you know, obviously, you know, we, guaranteed slot was no worse than top 15. But now you start, you know, now this tomorrow, Charles, go higher because you have to obviously, you know, Gurley's going to bring concerns. There are so many good backs, though. Kevin Coleman, a kid in Indiana, um, will get uh, some workout numbers tomorrow because um, he, you know, finished the season with a broken big toe. Finished the season with a broken big toe. Got it taken care of when the season was over. That's a guy you got to really, you know, just like Gurley where you saw leadership ability where he went back to his team, wasn't going to leave behind. You see a kid like Coleman playing for an Indiana team. They didn't go to a bowl game. Finished out the season. Still ran for 2,000-plus yards. Uh, if you go to, you know, shameless plug, draft breakdown, watch him versus Ohio State, put up a damn near 250, 90-yard run. Uh, you know, obviously, Ohio State, the D-backs have all the speed in the world, beating them on angles. Great player. David Cobb, uh, another more of a mauler out of Minnesota, just kind of like a, with each carry, he's going to get a little stronger. Gets to the second level, finishes runs. There's so many guys. For me, though, if I want to go one guy with the Jets, Duke Johnson's a guy I truly like. And if he's available at 37, you know, depending whether or not I, you know, I'm going to go quarterback or running back, I'm assuming I got that edge guy at six. He, he's going to be interesting. You know, a little bit shorter. I mean, people want to say smaller, smaller. Eh, yes, shorter. Yes, not smaller, not so much. Finishes runs, you know, plants a foot, you know, on a, you know, on a toss play outside. Realize he's not getting outside. We'll cut up. We'll dive into a linebacker, pick up every yard that's sale. It brings a little bit of pass receiving to him, you know, just enough. Uh, you know, Bly Powell uh, didn't bring him up earlier, but he should bring up some success as well with Chan Gailey. But Duke Johnson is a guy I think is a great fit. If you wanted to go Tevin Coleman out of Indiana, you're going to have to get him at 37. He's not going to be around after 50. You know, just it brings you the game-breaking speed, kind of like what they thought they were getting from Chris Johnson last year, which we saw for about four or five weeks. And then, you know, once we got to week three, that was over the speed. This guy says, you know, you'll run 4-2 forever. So, But, you know, Duke Johnson, Tevin Coleman are two guys I would like to add. If you want to go even later, David Johnson makes a lot of sense if you're going to groom him along. Maybe there isn't a spot for him just right off the bat. But, uh, you know, the running back position, it's, it's a really great one this year, and, you're going to see a run somewhere between about, you know, beginning of the second round, probably till about, you know, mid-third. And you'll maybe have, you know, eight, nine running backs off the board, probably by like the top 75. That's how deep the class is. 
Yes, absolutely, Jeff. And I definitely agree with your breakdown of the draft class and the running back position. I agree that Duke Johnson, to me as well, is one of the standout talents there. But I'm wondering, we just signed Ridley. Um, I wonder if you could possibly break him down and tell me where he fits with the Jets. And is he a guy that could push Ivory to actually start this year? The problem is, is, you know, where he is with the knee. I mean, there is some talk that he might not be available to go from Jump Street. So you do worry a little bit about that. And you see with some of the moves the Jets run office has made, you know, the Joe May signing, the Aaron Henderson signing, um, you know, uh, the other linebacker from Green Bay. These are guys that this front office uses NFL players. And you know what? I can go out. I can sign them for basically essentially league minimum. These are guys you want. I mean, and that's, those are moves you make. Those are moves that, you know, I don't want to say, you know, jinx or anything. Those are moves that win you championships. If you can get a guy that you know is a player in this league, for damn near league minimum, because for some reason or whatever, he's not getting interest anywhere else, go sign every one of them. I mean, they signed, obviously, you know, David Harris is back. Obviously, DeMario Davis is here. The other, you know, th- three linebackers they signed. Maybe all these, you know, these are guys you can even move late in the season once inj- I mean, late in the preseason once injuries start happening. So, you know, they, they, you know it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, and you like the way they've done that, you know. Yeah, Jeff, I, I agree. That's the one thing that I've kind of been impressed about, by McHagnon with is the level of competition he's adding at almost every position. I mean, Idzik always talked about it, and you kind of saw some of the moves like, oh, I'm not too sure about this. McHagnon is bringing in guys you know, at reasonable contracts where it's like low risk, high reward, but it's legitimate competition at almost every position. Yeah, I just wanted to finish up, though, because you know, I didn't actually totally get to Ridley. Um, you, you go back, obviously, to the 12 season, you know, 1,200 yards, you know, great, great year. It does have some fumble issues. He's got to learn to get a little bit better with his pad level. Um, you know, when you see a guy get knocked out in a playoff game and, you know, call, you know drop a fumble, you know that mechanic-wise he's not too great. I don't know if he's pushing Ivory from Jump Street. Uh, Ivory, you know what you're getting. He's, you know, he'll keep going at it. I mean, he's like, you know, he's the guy basically you tell him to keep running the wall. Okay, coach, how many times do you want me to run in the brick wall? I was going to do that. You know, before he got to the Jets, there was some, you know, talk of injury. You really haven't seen that here. He's, you know, the guy's a beast. He'll play tough. You know, he's got, you know, you know, if Marshawn Lynch is, you know, $100 champagne, Chris Ivory's, you know, $15 champagne, but he's going to give you everything he's got every week. You know, I mean, it's, and maybe more partly because you know Marshawn plays in the system he is, and it works out a little better for him. But he's, you know, he's got some, he's got some Marshawn Lynch to him. No, he, he definitely does, and he's, he's been a fan favorite. And you know, especially on the last year of his contract too, it's interesting to see how the Jets handle him if they try to add a year, if they bring in a young guy this year and kind of maybe transition him out. It's interesting to see how they handle that. Um, we're gonna go back to the calls. We have a guy that's actually. Uh, Okay, good, Jeff. Just one, just, one, just one thing before the call. I think he, he, I mean, you know, it's sad to say, but the way the NFL works, he's going to get fed till he breaks because he's yep. trying to make himself some money on a contract, and the Jets know that, and most likely he won't be a part of the 16 team, but, you know, feed me, see more, feed me. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's, it's unfortunate as a running back these days. That's kind of where the NFL is heading. Um, our next caller is actually going to talk about a position that we haven't really talked about yet, and that's the wide receiver position. So, Brian, this is Joe and Tyson with Jeff Lloyd. How you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, Joe. Hey, Tyson. Uh, hey, Joe. It's uh, it's B Nice Eighty. You uh, you asked me to let you know who I was uh, next time I called. Uh, it's uh, it's good to good to talk with you guys. Oh, hey, man. It's good to talk with you as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Uh, so so yeah. So uh, 
My my uh, my thing with uh, that number six pick uh, is uh, again wide receiver is that uh, Cooper from from Bama obviously. Um, I feel like we're stacked at the position, but this is the perfect time where you you line up you you, you line up somebody that 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 can play right away, but you let them kind of learn a little bit, get acclimated. These injuries happen. Uh, Marshall is. You know he's been a little bit more injury prone the past the past couple of years. I don't I don't necessarily think he could. You know he's he's a, a, a injury worry, but I mean a, a guy like Cooper, I think he's he's I guess to come in as a fourth receiver, but he's just ready to go. He just really reminds me of that uh, that Anquan Bolden when he first came out of Florida State and just. You know, ready to just be a beast. Uh, you know, among amongst the men. So I, I I love him as a as our early pick. If if we stay, um, you know, I, I I'm hoping that we're able to trade back. You know, everybody loves the Cleveland picks. Um, I think if if you know Mariota is there still, I think we'll have some leverage to maybe trade down. And Cleveland would be lovely to to trade down with. If we stay hold, if we hold still, I think Coop would be a knockout knockout pick. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, what do you think, Jeff? Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper, as far as a wide receiver, has the lowest floor in this draft. Um, Alabama, you know, you see the way the program works. You know, so pro oriented. Um, so many players come out of the system. Nobody put up the numbers that Amari Cooper put up this past fall. And you also factor into that, you know, Blake Sims was not a great quarterback. Amari Cooper looked fantabulous in that pass offense. Kevin White, Devontae Parker, guys, I think maybe have a higher ceiling. Um, the tradeback scenario as far as Cleveland, you know, yes, Amari Cooper at 6 or a Devontae Parker at 12 and a, you know, Shane Ray or Eli Harold maybe at 19. Does that look more appealing? I mean, you're, you know, killing two birds with one stone. Oh, I, I mean, I, you know, I'd love it not to interrupt, but I'd I'd love it if we trade back and we could knock out two two you know solid positions that outside linebacker and that wide receiver. Again, we're you know especially with the wide receiver, we're stacked. It's not like a, a pressing pressing need where we need to draft somebody that's going to come in and be the playmaker. We're in the position where somebody like. Parker, especially, you know, we could we could help him learn the position a little bit more. You know, he's learning under, you know, Decker very underrated in my opinion. Had a had an off year mainly because of injuries, and then obviously the quarterback play wasn't anywhere near what we need. But you get him at, at uh, is it eleven, and then like you said, if a, if if Ray drops, uh, you know, get that pick as well. I mean, that would be, I think, the best situation. But if we held, if we held, uh, you know, I mean, we, we need we need offensive line help. We need outside linebacker help, and we need we, we need a wide receiver. We need a young guy. Um, so if we held Cooper, yes. But I, I completely agree. You get that second level or the second tier wide receiver is uh, as we saw this past draft. Those second, I mean, the third and uh, uh, second and third round guys were, were significant contributors to their team at, at, at that position. So, I mean, we got a guy in the first round, like Parker, very smooth, you know, maybe needs to bulk up a little bit, learn a little bit, and, I mean, that would be a dream. And then, like you said, get 
get Ray. I mean, knocking those two picks uh, out in the first round would just be, I think, a dream. Um, I think you're absolutely right. That would be that'd be perfect. But the only thing, though, with the trade-down scenario, though, is you still have Shaq Evans, obviously, who his rookie year was basically a red shot, uh, a red shirt, obviously, with the shoulder injury. We have uh, Quincy Nua. So we don't know where this new regime is with these two guys. So we may have two young, capable wide receivers on this roster with those guys who we basically know nothing about at this time. So, I mean, if one of the premier edge guys, in your opinion, is there at six, just go ahead and take that. I mean, there's no reason to believe that we can't get something out of those two kids. Obviously, I'll still maybe, you know, I'm still okay with adding a wide receiver later on in the process. Uh, you know, obviously, six picks over seven rounds. And the wide receiver class, the good thing about it is it seems it's deep every year, and I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. I mean, the way the spread offenses are, you know, manipulated down to the high school, the high schools, I mean, I see these recruiting numbers. I mean, there's kids, you know, seniors in high school catching 83 passes in a season. It's, yeah. it's such a you – know, that's one position that's really evolved, you know, probably over the past five, six years. And we're always going to get capable ball catchers. So maybe don't need to – go. you know, if Evans and, you know, if even only one of them hits, maybe necessarily it's not something you don't have to address, you know, so maybe, you know, round three or round four. I, I agree. I mean, if we, say, got a, you know, maybe Fowler at, at that six, if we held, held that six, got like Fowler, who I think is, uh, you know, I mean, the, the pure, it'd be the purest edge rusher we've had since Abraham. Um, and then, say if that uh, if uh, that Green Beckham, uh, Doriel Green Beckham falls to the second round, which because of his character concerns, like I can see happening, someone's probably going to reach early for him. But if he would have dropped to the second round and we had the opportunity to grab him, I'd uh, I'd love it. Um, the only the only thing, and to, just to switch a little bit, the only thing I'm, I'm, I'm the one move I wasn't a, a huge fan about this offseason was actually getting Ridley, um, and and the only reason is I I I just hope it's not going to hold us back from get from drafting uh, a young running back early because as um, as you guys were talking about earlier, it's 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 a it's a running back rich draft, one of the the best running back drafts I think has has been. Uh, you know, around for two years. Um, I mean, I would have loved to get a, a running back early first couple of rounds because they're so talented. I, I, I don't think we will now that we have we have three capable guys at the running back. I think uh, Powell was severely underused last year, which it was really a shame because we needed we we needed him. I think last year and they just for some reason they didn't they, they decided not to utilize him at all. Um, I'm glad they re-signed him, but him with with the Ridley, I mean, they, they signed him to use him, you know, and he and he's a capable back. But uh, I would have loved us to have like that need in a way, so we could jump on one of these uh, talented guys. But uh, but I mean, I, if if uh, Yeldon is is available at some point in in our draft later in the round, maybe third, fourth. Uh, I, I really like him from uh, from Bama as well. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but the thing with Ridley is he's only here on a one-year deal. Chris Ivory's right. on a contract here. We don't know if Ridley is going to be available to us week one. So ruling out drafting a rookie running back just on those two guys, you know, actually, uh, what, Bilal Powell's only here on a one-year deal as well. So I don't know if yeah, drafting right. a rookie running back is, you know, something that you're going to have to, just say we're not going to address just because we have three-year guys who 
three guys who won't be here possibly in 16. Um, I think Bilal Powell, you could get some Fred Jackson type of production and, you know, some type of things. Obviously, you know, with this offense with Changeli, uh, really it's still a bit of a question mark how soon he's going to be ready. And I think this was a move of, we think, you know, giving him, you know, one million a year for one year. Maybe we can have him for the latter part of the season as he starts to heal and he's better. You know, gives you a little insurance on Ivory. That works, but I don't think any way, shape, or form, the way the current on-roster running back stable is, manipulates the Jets from taking a running back in this draft. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely hear that, and I, and I, and I hope so. And that's a, that's a great point. Basically, everybody's on almost a one-year, uh, one-year contract. So, uh, you know, that's a good point. You know, we gotta, uh, we gotta kind of stack up, and and this is the draft to to stack up. So, uh, I, I mean, I gotta tell you guys, this is the first time uh, I've been a, a fan since '93, uh, like diehard since Boomer came to town, and. This is in probably the four, past four or five years. This is the most excited I've been, you know, in in May, you know, heading into May in April, uh, you know, just just excited. It just seems like these it, the, the people at, at the head. I liked Foles to begin with. I I I, I actually I really was pushing for him. I liked what he did with the the the, the injured guys on his team putting together. You know, getting the best out of Matt out, uh, Honey Badger. You know, he was that troubled guy, and getting the most out of him, uh, Cromarty. Uh, you know, getting the most out of out of what he had. I, I love that. And and the, uh, this, uh, you know, Max. He just he gets it. You know, and he's just stacking. He's not saving this money for some, you know, unknown reason like uh, like Idzik was. You know, so I mean, uh, hey, Brian. Just, <laughs> Right, we, we we appreciate your passion and energy, but we've got a couple other calls on the lines. So we just got to move this along, but um, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your insight on the receivers, and I, I agree with you, man. It's an exciting time as Jeff fans, and we're all looking forward to it, and the draft guarantees it'd be an interesting moment, I think, in the first round. So thank you for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Go Jets. I'll talk to you guys soon. And, Brian, no, it's kind of funny. Your sentiments are exactly how I uh, felt to the guys before we hit the air. Yes, love what they're doing right now. It, it, it's so refreshing to see just, you know, going in, staking your claim, getting what you want. <laughs> yes. Uh, John, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Jeff, I, I know that you talked earlier with the wide receiver about the uh, wide receiver position with the last caller, and you guys, you said, you know, we can definitely address the wide receiver position later on in the draft. And I'm wondering who's your wide receiver later on in the draft if you're the New York Jets GM that you're looking at targeting. Is it a Trey McBride? Is it a Justin Hardy? Is it a Tony Lippett that probably could be in that class? Uh, actually, uh, first name is one you head on. Uh, Trey McBride in the mid-rounds, a smaller school guy that has excelled to the draft process. Is a guy I truly, truly, really, really like. Um, he's a guy, you know, it just it seems a good fit, you know, as long as, you know, he gets into the pro camp and he can absorb everything that's going on. Uh, I'll give you a real late rounder here, and, you know, no homerism from the Monmouth, uh, from Monmouth University. Neil Sterling, uh, about six foot three, 200 and, uh, about 217, 218 pounds, big guy, wide target. Um, with a guy like Gino, you know, who's known to be a little bit erratic, you don't want these smurf receivers. You want, you know, the big physical guys. You know, now you see why you have a Decker here. Now you see why you go to Marshall in. You know, obviously makes for a bigger, you know, window of opportunity, you know, as far as, you know, completing passes to these guys. He's a guy I like later. Um, Philip Dorsett seems to be a popular name. I, I just, 
Yeah, I mean, the speed's great. I, I don't see, you know, true receding capabilities. I see him as a third or a fourth. We have Jeremy Curley here. We have uh, Quincy Nua uh, on the roster. You know, Shaq Evans could be a guy, you know. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Outside and an X or a Z, you can provide production. So many, so many interesting wide receivers in this class. But, uh, you know, those are two guys that I, I would see as fits here. Trey McBride is actually great that you brought him up. Uh, you know, you know, at, uh, William & Mary, it's a great player. Seems to, you know, Gradu- seems to be graduating as the process goes. Nothing seems to be getting too small. Stepping up, he'd be an interesting guy where you do draft him as a third, you know, in the third or the fourth, and you kind of kind of have him groom. Um, Brandon Marshall, as long as everything goes well, I think he'll want to stay here because you know he does the show obviously with Showtime, um, you know, very charity oriented now and trying to help everybody. You know, New York City is the greatest place to do that. But there's no harm in, you know, going out and bringing in a guy, you know, who you can groom to be, you know, play his role the next year. Trey McBride would be a great fit. Uh, once again, we're talking with Jeff Lloyd from DraftBreakdown.com, who's doing an excellent job of answering our callers and discussing all the Jets' options. And, you know, Joe Kramer sent us a question, I think, Jeff, that you already kind of addressed about the depth at the running back position and wide receiver position. The question I have for you is, you know, what do you think about the Jets' secondary? Obviously, Buster Screen came in with Revis and Camardi, but we had a lot of young corners there, a lot of unknowns with, you know, Milner McDougal or both, you know, they're in, they were injured, so he didn't say anything last year. In terms of, like, overall depth and things like that, do you think the Jets would consider trying to draft a safety or a corner? I, I don't know how it works in now, but, I mean, obviously, you know, with most front offices, you want to stay true to your board. So if a guy is there who shouldn't be there, go ahead and draft him. Um, you know, Gilcrest obviously here, and let's hope, you know, Calvin Pryor, Cal, uh, I'm sorry, with Pryor, obviously, with the new regime, he's going to be a little more comfortable in the, in, in the box role. The thing with Bowles is, you know, out of 20 plays, he, he, Bowles wants you to see 16 different, you know, defensive fronts and secondaries and alignments. These guys, you know, rotate. They all do different roles. That's why we're now five guys deep at inside linebacker. That's why we're six guys deep right now at cornerback. You know, so he, that's what he's going to do. That's what he likes. It's just the way he wants to do it. He wants he wants to play as many guys as possible. He wants to rotate. He wants to make things different, and he wants to give you a different look. And if it is it does involve, you know what? Let me take Revis off the field for one play because you know what? A defense going to look over and go, all right, well, what's going on now? If Terrell Revis is off, that's the way he works it. Um, I don't know if you know maybe a later guy, maybe some undrafted kids. But when you're six deep at corner, I mean, you know, Antonio Allen's still. I mean, we're four or five deep at safety. I don't know if any defensive back being drafted would be early or would expect to be a contributor. Maybe, you know, with the two – obviously we don't have the fifth or a sixth right now, 
with one of the sevens, maybe, or some UDF guys, maybe, you know, they address a lot, you know, a defensive back spot. But it seems right now there, I mean, we're, we're stockpiles. We're full. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of ironic how when you know, the contrast from last year to this year is it's kind of crazy in the secondary, um, you know. And Richard Town, we're getting a lot of tweets. I mean, your your Twitter account's got to be on fire right now because Richard Town from Canada is really you made his night talking about Duke Johnson and, and your 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 opinion on him. The last question I have, the last question I have for you, it's it's not draft related, but the the big story today is about Philip Rivers and and the San Diego Chargers with the potential of them maybe. Offering him up in a trade if, if they're you know if they're interested in acquiring Marcus Mariota or drafting him, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, for me, we talked earlier about you don't want to trade away your draft for a Winston or a Mariota or even a Fowler, but if a guy like Rivers comes up, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know if he's a jet option because I think part of the reason with Philip Rivers is. Why San Diego was okay because it's a laid-back city. You talk about Philly, you know, Philip Rivers, a very highly religious gentleman. You know, I believe he has seven children, which you know, people in 2015, unless you play in the NFL, you can't afford to have seven children. Um, so, you know, I think part of the move is maybe that they're, you know, San Diego, obviously with the, you know, the LA move and things like that. You know, is he maybe trying to push his hand that he doesn't want to make the move to LA? Does he want to go? You know, somewhere where he's comfortable, perhaps Tennessee at two, or is he trying to hold out for a little more money? Which doesn't really seem Philip Rivers' style. You know, he definitely plays for the game. He knows he's got more money than he'll ever need, and I'm sure he's you know handled his life appropriately. You know, with that, I don't know if I see him a jet fit. I mean, would run into New York is is it just doesn't seem the the Philip Rivers mo. You know, dad of a coach down there in Alabama played at NC State. You know, obviously ended up out in you know San Diego like he did. Tennessee, you know, somewhere in the you know the, the South, there's not too many openings. Tennessee seems to be an easy one. So sometimes stories manipulate by you know trying to pair a guy to a place. Um, I don't know if I say, if it's truly an option. I, I don't know exactly you know how we afford him. Uh, I'd be interested if he truly wanted it. I just I don't see him as a jet option. I, I don't. But uh, always like the player. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who quarterbacked himself through an AFC championship game on a torn ACL. I, ever since I came in New England, I've always had nothing but respect for the guy. Yeah, he's a little mouthy, but you know what? I, I don't mind my quarterbacks being cocky. But, you know, always a guy I had major respect for. I don't think, as far as the Jets are concerned, he's an availability option that they could pursue. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's making very good headlines now as everybody's trying to, you know, it's just getting hits and, you know, it's I understand how it is, but it's just it's a name that catches your attention. Then you look at the feasibility of it and you're like, "Wow, I'm you know, I'm not really sure about that." So, it and I guess the, the last question I have for you and it's our actually from the Twitter account is people are curious about your thoughts on IK and Trevor Riley and their performance in Todd Bowles defense. How do you think they would pan out? Um, I think Ick is a guy we've not really discussed enough here. I think he will be able to bring something to the table here with this this regime. Um, maybe deserved, obviously, some more playing time last year. Um, it was the writing was on the wall. It was pretty evident where this team was headed. Um, so why he was not given his chance to excel is, you know, obviously, you know, at least to get some snaps, get out there and show what he could do. You know, it's kind of, you know, evident. So, I mean, he comes in kind of, you know, like we mentioned earlier, some of these other guys with the new regime, comes in with a clean slate. Um, Trevor Riley, I know a lot of the Jet fan base seems to really like him. I, I don't know if I see enough where, you know, this is a guy we're going to be talking about by, you know, week three of the preseason. 
But Hick is a guy who definitely intrigues me. Obviously made the shift that you know, uh shift down in position, you know, from coming off the D line to the outside position. Got a high motor, which is a guy that bowls will always look for. I think he's definitely someone, you know, that I could see, you know, being part of, you know, Todd Bowles' 53, just with his work ethic and what he's bringing to the table each week. Yeah, so and with that said, I had another question about the wide receiver position. I wonder what no you problem. think about a guy. Yeah, what do you think about a guy in the draft? Darren Waller, he's a guy 6'6", six, six, big guy. Do you think he has a chance of possibly developing into like a red Red zone threat kind of guy. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a wide receiver that can be converted into tight end? I don't think you have to convert him to tight end right away because I mean everyone you know it seems to be so popular because you know you see a Jimmy Graham and you see you know some of these freak tight ends. You can't necessarily always make them. Waller could probably you know find a way to succeed on the outside. I think the only thing you know. Maybe holding him back is, you know, maybe the fact that he came from Georgia Tech where running the ball is obviously the utmost importance. Um, so he didn't – and obviously he was number two behind uh, DeAndre Smelter, who was a guy I really like and, you know, hate to see a guy with an ACL so late in the season, you know, going into his draft year. But uh, Waller's a player. There's some game to him. You know, he'll find a home. Uh, he probably should be able to do it on the outside. I mean, six foot six runs, you know, catches high points. There's, you know – there's not much to dislike, you know, so you want to go ahead and take him on, you know, day three. It's a nice fit as a player. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. And I want to thank you for coming on the show and giving us all your insight and your knowledge, man. You were you were absolutely awesome interview. Thank you for coming on. No problem at all, fellas. I absolutely had a blast. You know that. And, you know, talking draft is great. Talking just draft is probably even better. Jeff, before we, before we let you go, though, I, mean, I want to thank you as well. I mean, thank you for all your time in an hour and a half. We definitely appreciate it. And when you get back, when you get on your Twitter account, you're going to see all the, the craziness that's going on right now. But <laughs> give everybody ways to follow you on Twitter and just follow you as you go prepare for the draft. Um, you know, like you guys on Blog Talk, I do a Blog Talk show every Monday night, uh, RSE Draft Room, Prospects on Tap. Uh, you know, always have a lot of fun with it. It's just, you know, me and some of the other, you know, draft evaluators. You know, obviously we cover, you know, football as, you know, the year brings us to us. You know, we bring in interviews, you know, and, you know, some older players there in the, you know, obviously the summer months till football really kicks back up in full gear. Uh, had plenty of prospects on this year, did plenty of prospects that uh, last year. So that's one way. Uh, also do uh, football convos uh, pod, obviously, uh, under Andy Carlson. Uh, so, you know, we do that. You know, and probably doing once a week. It's just gotten so busy here and, you know, kids being on spring break. I've had to, you know, hold back a little bit on that. But, you know, whether it's interviewing evaluators or foreign players of the game, it's just a blast. And I usually do, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes and have a great time with that. Um, on Twitter, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, I'm probably one of the more average tweeters. I, you know, as my wife says, I do have a slight addiction. But uh, always talking <laughs> ball, uh, whatever the topic of the day is, you know, I'm always out there doing that. Um, just, you know, it's, uh, I've been around football so long. The blood runs so deep and just – it's great to, you know, that's what makes Twitter the greatest thing in the world is because whatever your passion is or whatever you love, you can find people who want to talk about it, which makes Twitter the addictive kind of drug it is. But, uh, guys, no, uh, absolutely a pleasure, you know, being on, uh, you know, anytime. Give me a shout as long as I can, you know, make the schedule work. And, you know, like I said, Jeff, Jeff's draft, Twitter, I mean, I mean, Jeff's draft, uh, talking about it, just excellent time. I'm just getting really, really kind of antsy for uh, April 30th to get it going on because so much misinformation now and what is smoke and what is not real. 
and what's you know teams lobbying. It just oh good lord, we all we own all the players. Let's just get it on already. Yeah, it's crazy, especially now with Twitter. Like you said, everybody's really active, and there's like everybody's got opinions, and it's like you look at the calendar, you're like, you've got to be kidding me. We still have a couple more weeks of this. Like this, is, it's like almost torture at this point. Absolutely, you know, it's just you know, I mean, once you hit, you know, once the you know calendar hits April, you can't believe anything because you know, I mean, agency, you can't blame them. They're doing their job. They're trying to do everything they can to make their prospect look the best they can. It's just. There's just so much things get thrown to the wall. You know, we'll probably get a nice little fake arrest here story somewhere in the next couple of days where a kid, you know, says, everyone says he got arrested, and then the story comes out he didn't just because, you know, people are raining on each other for aid like it works. It's, you know, it's kind of cruel the way it all works with the social media aspect for these kids, and, you know, you almost want to tell them, dude, just hide yourself away, you know, move to, you know, you know, live in a hotel, lock all the doors, lock the windows, <laughs> just put your phone down, don't go on it, and just wait for April 30th. <laughs> Jeff, once again, thank you very much. And for all listeners, you know, it's Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. We'll definitely promote your stuff. I mean, I think all our listeners already follow you as well. So, Jeff, thank you very much for all your time tonight, man. No problem at all, fellas. Finish up with a great show anytime. Have a good night, man. Thank you. Well, Joe, I mean, there there is so much there is so much knowledge shared tonight. And you know, first of all, I want to thank Jeff. You know, if you're not following, make sure you are following him because he's. He's a great. He's a great analyst. He's also very active on Twitter. He'll actually sit there and answer your questions and discuss players with you is always cool. And thank you to our callers. I, I Joe, I knew that our our, our fan base <laughs> was going to come in and call. And you knew they were going to bring some heat. Did, you were not surprised, were you? I was not surprised at all, man. They brought in the young kids that are calling in. They have no mercy. They will absolutely come with their notepads and their pens, and they they got everything down, and they're coming in with with draft news and talk, and they're very knowledgeable. And I want to thank every last single one of the callers, man. You guys really brought it tonight. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, like I said, like, thank Jeff. And, and just so the callers know, you know, we're bringing analysts on just to get different opinions on players and things like that. But over the next couple of weeks, prior to the draft, we're getting your predictions. We're putting your name down next to it. So you guys mm-hmm. may be having fun, you know, pressuring us and getting all these information out of us, but you're going to put your name to a player. So, you know, Kyle and Dominic and the other Kyle and all you guys are, you know, having fun now. Joe, it's going to come crunch time for them as well. Exactly. They're going to have to, like you said, put their name to the player and make that pick and stand right next to it. So you guys better be ready. And, Joe, so before we wrap things up, what is your take? I mean, we asked Jeff about the, the Philip Rivers story. It's making headlines everywhere, and, you know, it's, it's a name that you see. You're like, wow, I mean, you love his competitive nature. He's, he's, a, he's a top 12 quarterback or however you want to rank him. He's, he's a franchise quarterback, a little bit older, but I, I just don't see it happening. I mean, do you, do you think it's going to happen or no? No, I don't see it happening. Uh, I think it sounds nice, but you have to look at the compensation you're going to have to give up to get him. Uh, you're looking at two first-round picks. We don't have two first-round picks right now, at least not in this draft. So you might have to give up something for next year too. And he's an older quarterback, and he's also on a you know on a on a last year of his deal. You're going to have to look at possibly signing him uh, to a bigger deal next year, I mean, or a bigger bigger deal this year to get him into next year too. I just I think that's just too much. It's just too much to give Philip. Uh, it, it sounds nice. I would love to have him on the roster. I mean, it's Philip Rivers. Let's not be. Let's not be shy or coy about it. He's a great quarterback, but I just don't think it's going to happen. It's just it's going to be too much to make it happen. Yeah, I agree. And and the last thing we'll talk about, I mean, we'll go to some things you want to talk about, but it's the Geno Smith saga. You you know, you get the good old story from Bleacher Report where the Jets are ready to cut ties with them, 
And then our good friend Christian Dyer is like, no, the Jets still want, you know, the Jets still want him around. Joe, let's just get to the fact. I'm just going to give you a fact, and everybody knows how I feel about Geno. I want him to see him with Chan Gailey's system. He's a young player. He doesn't cost anything. How would you make any decision on Geno Smith before you even see him on the practice field in Chan Gailey's offense? Right now, Todd Bowles and Chan Gailey don't know what Geno Smith is. They haven't seen him in person on the field in their system practicing. How can you make a decision now? I mean, to even have a thought now, you need to see him on the field. So, Joe, for me personally, these stories are great for headlines. They're great to piss off the fan base and make Twitter on fire. But to me, I think it's premature, and I think there's no decision whatsoever made on Geno Smith at this point. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I think it's very, very premature. I think that um, Geno's coming into the season. He knows this is put up a shut-up time. He's done a lot of work in this offseason to prepare himself as well. He's worked with coaches that have worked with Tom Brady. Um, He's doing a lot of different things this offseason. He's definitely getting together with Brandon Marshall. He's talking about him left and right. They're building chemistry off the field and also working on the field as well, running routes and throwing throwing things to each other. So, you know, Gino's doing what he can do to get better, and um, this is going to be his time to show what he, what he can do. Uh, this is going to be his first year in Chan Gailey's offense. We're going to see how that fits in. But to talk about getting rid of him before we can even see what he can do in this system, I think it's just awfully premature, and I think it's just all tattered. I think that Gino's going to have his time here, and he's going to compete. And if he – you know, beats the Patrick out or whoever else we bring in. If he beats those guys out in a true quarterback competition, we've got to get behind him and, and you know, lift him up, and he's going to be our starter and he's going to be our quarterback. So we've just got to wait and see, see what he does this year. But he, he's definitely putting the bricks down and putting the foundation down to, to get himself going this year. Yeah, no doubt. And I guess the other the other transaction, I mean, the Jets, they signed Joe Mays. I mean, in terms of inside linebacker, the Jets, are, I mean, they're they're adding depth. I mean, between Latimer, you know, Mays, Henderson, I mean, McCagney's not screwing around where he's going to get, you know, guys that can help special teams and give you depth. And the, the, the player we talked about tonight was Ridley, who initially, you know, he's coming off an ACL injury. I understand that. Initially, I didn't understand the need to get him if you're going to draft a young quarterback or young running back. I mean, you know, it's about competition, it's about depth. He has some ability. And then you see it's like a one-year deal. It's not really for a lot of money. Then it's like, all right, you know, kind of like what Jeff Lloyd said. Listen, if you can get a player on a one-year deal, it's a show-me deal, and you want to, you know, see what he has left, why not? So I kind of embraced that. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you want young – I don't know. I was kind of like – I guess I was like immune to it. Like I really didn't have a, a opinion on it. I was like, all right, we signed him, cool. But I wasn't doing cartwheels either. What, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, you know, I looked at the deal. I looked at the signing at first, and I said to myself, you know, I, I don't, I don't know about this. But looking at what you bring him in for, you know, he could, he could actually end up, you know, producing for us. And you got him really cheap, especially cheap. Um, just like Jeff said, and I want to thank him again for coming on the show. Um, he, you know, he said he's had issues in the past with fumbling and things like that. I think that's a tag that's kind of been attached to him. Um, you know, he's he's not a huge fumbler. He doesn't fumble every single time that he gets the ball. But he definitely does the wrong fumble time. in big moments. <laughs> yeah, he fumbles yep. in big moments. He fumbles, you know, when when you're driving and you're trying to get back into the game, he fumbles at the wrong time. But I think that's that's a tag that is definitely stuck. He does have so so that's where that, that fumble, you know, you know, thing comes with him. But I think that if if he's a guy that you feel or this front office feels that can come in and produce for us and get us some quality yards then, yeah, you know, you sign him, you sign him pretty cheap, and if he doesn't work out during preseason or offseason, then you get rid of him. Um, but if he does make the squad, it kind of it kind of makes you wonder about us drafting a young running back or, or a speed back, a change of pace back, because then, you know, where do all these guys go? You know what I mean? So that, that was the only thing that kind of had me wondering with that signing was, 
But where do all these guys end up going if we just sign Ridley? You got Ridley, Bilal, Powell, Chris Ivory, and uh, Richardson. If he's if he's still around, you know, on the on the practice squad as well, what do we do with all these guys? So, but I think they're they're bringing in competition at the position, like they said. Every single position you're going to compete. So the competition at this, this position is going to be stiff. You got a lot of guys in there, and you're going to see guys compete, and they're going to have to win their spots. So I think that that's what kind of what this was all in the name of is competition. And if he produces, he produces, and that's awesome. And you got him for cheap. So we'll see how he does, and we'll see what he does for us. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, it's it's impressive if you look at this off season. And like I said, you know, you don't want to. I mean, we're not going to put McCagnan in the Jets Hall of Fame yet, but he's made smart decisions and he looked at the roster, he identified needs, and he's doing his best to address them. And it's funny because, you know, in, in Samini's latest article, he gave credit to McCagnan for addressing needs, but then he criticized like he kind of criticized the age and like the ability of some of the players. Listen, they're all coming cheap. It's competition at the right price. So you know, you're not going to get an all-22 Madden team. You're not going to get 22 superstars. You've got to find role players. You've got to find depth. You've got to find guys that can fill spots. If you give them at the right price, more power to you. And like you said, you know what? If they don't pan out, you cut them and you get somebody else. Like the Seattle Seahawks, you know, everybody likes to praise you know, you know, Schneider and, and Pete Carroll and all these guys for all the things. They're, they they had like a revolving door at their facility at one point where it's like they bring guys in, you don't work out, they cut you. They just kept finding guys until they found the right ones. So, you know, if the guy's 30 years old and Bowles feels comfortable with him or McCagnan likes his ability, I have no problem with it. It's competition. These guys are hungry. They're playing for contracts. It's like you've you got to do it one way, and I really don't have a problem with it, and I'm not ready to call this like a, a Mike Tannenbaum kind of effort. or You kind of see what the direction the media is trying to take with it, and I'm not buying it. I, I think it's the, it's the right approach for right now with the Jets, and then you supplement it with a good draft, and, and you see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's what, like you said, what's most important. You get the competition at the right price. At the right yep. price. Don't overspend. Don't get crazy with it. I think they've done an awesome job. I, I think McCagnan is doing his way around. He's making this roster better, and he's getting guys in at the right price. And I think that's all that's important. Yeah, no doubt. Is there is there anything else you want to cover tonight? I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff with the draft and the options and everything else. Are you all good over there, Mr. Joe from Long Beach? <laughs> It's on Ridley. People have been clamoring. I mean, in my in my inbox, talking to me about the tattoo. Can you please speak about the tattoo? What do you think about the Jets tattoo that we've gotten? Do you think it looks nice? Do you think it's necessary? Do you think you know it's just him showing his enthusiasm to be on the team? Are, are we really addressing this? Are we really addressing this topic? Are you for real? <laughs> hey, hey, this is the fans. People want to know what you think. <laughs> well, I, I really don't care. Tattoos, players always get them all the time. LT got, Tomlinson got one when he came here. I can really, care, I could not care less. I honestly don't care, Joe. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. That was kind of the same thing I was going to say. I don't either. I think it's just him. He's enthusiastic. He can do what he likes to do. And I, I'm just excited to have him. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see what you can get out of him and how he produces. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's a good it's a good story. I saw it. I made headlines, and I'm like, I I don't mean I have bigger things to worry about. Like, who's going to be mm-hmm. our quarterback, and you know, how are we going to get a how are we going to get our coveted pass rusher? So, I, Joe, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, people want to know. People can constantly hit me up. So, hey, I talk to the people. I talk to the listeners. <laughs> I'm the man of the people. So, hey, I I, ask, I answer the question that they ask. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Before we before we wrap things up, Joe, give all your information. Give out our uh, our Facebook account as well. Yes, absolutely. 
Okay, um, our Facebook search, Long Beach Joe on Facebook. That's our Facebook page. You know, friend us, uh, listen to our content there. You know, you can comment. Uh, we'll comment back. Um, we have tons of discussions on there as well, so please join that. Um, our Twitter is YoungJ00. That's two zeros on Twitter. Follow me. I'll follow you back. Uh, you want to troll me? That's cool, too. You can troll me there. We'll troll back. We'll go back and forth. Also, do YouTube videos as well. It's YoungJ000. Um, you know, I, I talk about the Jets there. We do all roster news. I also talk about other NFL teams. I have pickings and things like that. I'll be going through off-season moves that we made as well there. So definitely follow me, guys. You know, comment, subscribe. Um, like I said, follow me. I'll follow back. I, I love every single one of the listeners. I want to thank you guys for hitting me up constantly and asking me questions. Man of the people, I love everybody that listens. I love everybody that comments, guys. Free hugs, free hugs for everybody. If you ever see me, you're getting a free hug if you want it, all right? I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> hey, it, you've got to reach out and touch the people. You've got to. You've got to. Thanks, all right, thanks well, all the way. <laughs> We want to, I want to thank, definitely want to thank Jeff Lloyd once again for joining us. Thank you for all the callers. And don't forget, we are on iTunes, Let's Talk Jets. And we're also on Instagram, too, so Let's Talk Jets. So we look forward to talking to everybody next week. A lot to talk about. The draft is just around the corner, so get your predictions ready because when you call in, we're asking questions to you now. We're gonna, you've asked us all the questions. Now it's time to ask you some. So hope everybody had a great, had a great time tonight, and we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio.